begins any time. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Consider CB Geniuses podcast. I'm Finley Dunn. I'm Jack Gatto. And we've got our boy, our main guest, B-Rack, back on with us today. How you doing, B-Rack? You know what? I'm doing real good. And especially, too, what's more is this. We're coming to you on a live video platform. That's what I'm talking about. These guys, entrepreneurs, trust these guys. And uh, you know what? Throughout the show, I'm going to be downing a gallon of water. So let's keep an eye on that one, too. First time ever trying out the video. See how it goes. So obviously, last time, uh, I think we did last Monday, we talked about the first two rounds. This time we've had the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. We're going to talk about that. We'll go through the scores region by region, then give our all-region teams, talk about that a little bit. And then depending on how much time we have, talk about, I don't know, predictions for the Final Four. But first, before we start get into that, I thought today was a pretty big day in terms of the transfer portal. So maybe we should yeah. list off a few of those. How about you got some of those up, Gato? Yeah, uh, KJ Williams for uh... – Murray State, uh, Murray State Player of the Year. First speculation following the coach to LSU, and then also Justice Hill leaving Murray State as well. So it'll be interesting to see if those two follow coach to uh, LSU or mm-hmm. they explore other options. But yeah, those are two big names right off the bat. Also had Curbelo from Illinois, which is a little bit expected. Yes. But yeah. due to his kind of – I mean, up and down. Weird injuries. Weird injuries. Yeah. Yeah, up and down, injuries, lack of play, really good at times and yeah. really, really, really bad at times. Yeah. Um, so he could be really good, though. And you know what I thought, too, was really intriguing about his departure? And this might be something we want to get into as the time kind of gets away from us. But the thing is, I'm curious about Brad Underwood in respect to his ability to kind of keep guys going and locked into the program. Uh, In terms of a departure statement from Curbelo, all we've gotten to this point is my time here is over. And I think, you know, if you're putting in the investment that he has and, and broaden the Illini to the heights that they have been uh, disregarding tournament play, I wonder what that kind of is all about, that kind of short-lived, that kind of tight mentality. And that might be a product of Underwood, but it's an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and it's weird because Frazier and Plummer not being there next year, I believe. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. totally sure. But... Frazier, I think this was Co- Frazier's COVID year, and I think it might have been Plummer's too, actually. Yeah, so yeah. weird. They're like, I don't know what their, who their guards will be next year, then, but um, look for them to maybe pick up Sky Clark, who recently decommitted from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That is one right off the bat, but uh, yeah, interesting. See where he ends up. Yeah, two other names Sean McNeil from West Virginia, shooter, good player, could play anywhere. And then uh, Vanderplas from Ohio, probably remember him from the tournament last year. Good stretch yeah. four. He can he can play, so we'll see where he ends up. And Finn, I think I think today you were saying, uh, just in prep for tonight's show, the question is how bad are the Mountaineers going to be? Uh, that's the bottom yeah. line. Is is now with the departure recently, 
And what I've started to be curious about is, is how long Huggins is going to continue to ride out the storm. Uh, what do you guys see from them? I mean, the next couple of years. Yeah, we also noticed that it's, it seems to be on a bit of a decline. I'm obviously not that, not that great of a year this year. And then obviously early transfers going out right now. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see Huggins go in the next, like retire in the next couple of years. Or even maybe this offseason, he just says, you know what, I'm done. But there are a lot of coaches still. Maybe a couple of years left here and there, but it's interesting. I mean, don't 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 forget they were yeah. a three seed two years ago, like not this one, the last one, so, the one before. So I mean, they had McBride, they had guys, but then they lost Shibway, which hurt. That was huge. And then this season they've McBride. already lost, they've already lost Bridges, Jalen Bridges, McNeil, and a couple bench guys. I think Cottrell and somebody else. Yeah. I mean, they got they're gonna be re- and they were like last in the Big Twelve this year, so. They're going to be really bad next year unless they make a bunch of moves. And Huggy Bear, I feel like, is just kind of on his way out. But we'll see. All right, let's get into the March Madness games. Let's start in the West. Uh, the first game was Gonzaga. Well, I guess we'll just go top to bottom. First game, Gonzaga versus Arkansas. And right off the bat, an upset. Yeah. First to talk about. I mean – Going into the game, I definitely thought Arkansas had a chance. I don't know about you guys, but I thought they had a good chance because I didn't I didn't think Gonzaga looked very good in the game against Memphis. But I honestly I thought Gonzaga would be able to pull it out. Yeah, Arkansas. They played really well. Um it was unfortunate to see those foul calls on Chet. Mm-hmm. They were kind of Kind of iffy. He probably realistically had like three, especially that last one. Note went straight at his chest, and Chet was just straight up, and they called it for his fifth. That was with like four, three minutes left in the second half, close game. And that was brutal for them. But, uh, and they just they couldn't overcome that. Mm. You know, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think. Through the round of 32 game, we had accepted as as a people that Gonzaga was beatable. And yeah. then Arkansas just continued to exploit what we had already seen. And I thought that was interesting, really. It almost sort of looked like Gonzaga, uh, dare I say it, had run out of gas as we're getting now to this point of the year. And with the depth that they have, uh, that's almost hard to explain. But when you uh, couple that with the energy that the Hogs brought, and, I mean, you guys put me on this squad very early on this year, must bus, hype train, all of that. I mean, yeah. they finished the year 18-3 and three over the last 21. And can you argue with that? No, you can't. I thought, um, as Sam put it, not very nicely in our in the text to us. I thought Nemhard was really bad, and Gonzaga's guard play just was not. It just wasn't good enough this year. Bolton and Nemhard combined for fifteen that game. They're like five for twenty, five for twenty-one, and then Note. I mean, Note shot thirty times, but he had twenty-one points, as well as uh, 
Devo Davis had a couple buckets. Tony had nine points. And I don't know. They're just like we say every every year, you gotta have really good and experienced guards to win in March. And Gonzaga's guards just weren't that good this year. Yeah. The next game in the West was the Texas Tech Duke game, which I thought was a really good game. Um, I wanted or at least I picked Texas Tech just because I thought they were really good. But, I mean, Duke showed that they could win the national championship in that game for sure. Battled through, battled against, a, I mean, a really good Texas Tech team. Still put up 70, still put up 78 on them too, which is big. Yeah, Duke's playing some of their best ball right now at the best time. Um, Jeremy Roach has been unbelievable for them this tournament. His, his, uh, his play has been really – Really good. Seven for 11, 15 points um, in that game against Texas Tech. And Mark Williams continues to be a force down low. And yeah, they have, they have a great shot away the whole time. You know, it's, it's easy when it pertains to Duke to begin to speak about Ben Carroll, right? I mean, a heralded freshman, just another one that Coach K has before he's on his way out. I mean, we even heard a quote um, a couple days ago that said, you know, holy cow, I get to coach this guy, right? And, and the thing is, what I've been interested in kind of following it as a trend line is Ben Carroll's an efficient player, right? We typically see the six for 10, the seven of 12, the things of this nature. But every once in a while, right, we've seen an 11 of, of 22, right? We've seen, a, we've seen a 12 of 23, things like this in terms of shooting. And I was expecting us to have seen one of those from him through this period in the tournament but we haven't and I think that's going to be a big key if he can continue to put up the 7 of 12 right and score 18 to 21 they're looking really good because there have been very few other flaws and I think when you couple both one his sort of pedigree and and efficiency with their ability to continue to show the championship DNA, right, which is what they have and what they've shown, being able to close out teams that try and make runs late. That's how you win games right now. And it's going to be fun to watch what they can do the last, you know, two games of the year. Yeah, kind of leads us into the Elite Eight game. Duke played Arkansas. Duke won 78 to 69. I mean, Duke was pretty much in control that whole game. Defensive one. Really yeah. well defensive game as well. Um but they they're I mean they're rolling. They're rolling right now. And they look like a team that can win the whole thing. Mark Williams has been extremely good this tournament. They've gone zone late in both of these games. Uh yeah. the good point. Texas Tech game was that was the big turning point. They go zone and they go on a run because Texas Tech just can't shoot very well. They didn't they didn't do great against the zone, and then they went zone against Arkansas as well. And I don't know. I mean, they had that game kind of either way, but yeah. 
I like Williams. I think that could be the difference the last two rounds of this. Uh, if we could point at one thing, I think that'll be it. Uh, the shot blocking ability, that's uncanny. Uh, I like the way that he runs from rim to rim. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen on this stage all the time. And the fact that it's happening at the sort of high volume per game that it is with him, good shape. Yeah, I think if Roach continues to play how well he's played too, then they can for sure win the whole thing. All right, let's let's give our all-region team for the West. Gatto, you want to start us off? Yeah, I had uh, Jaden Williams and J.D. Nopes from Arkansas. And then the big three for Duke, Jeremy Roach, Bancaro, and Mark Williams. Um, yeah. Weird. I did, I, did, I did the exact same thing. I had all five of those guys. Um, I think it's kind of clear, honestly. I, we'll see if B-Rock had anything different. Could have thrown maybe a Texas Tech guy in there or Gonzaga, like a Drew Timmy or something. But, I mean, I think all the Duke guys deserve it. And I think Jalen Williams deserves it uh, for Arkansas. That's, like, the maybe the only guy I would have not included. But I thought he was really good. So, yeah. Well, listen, I will preface by saying I really like where both of you guys went. No question. No argument from me. Although I guess there might be an argument because I went a couple different ways now that I think about it. But <laughs> – Here's the way it goes, is I went Timmy, okay? And the reason behind that is I, the closest I've watched and deciphered a basketball game through this entire tournament has been, even including Michigan State's ball games, okay, was the Gonzaga-Memphis game. And in that one, Timmy's ability to flip a switch, right, and be that senior leadership, but – but also be able, like you said, Gatto, to, to continue to throw the rock in the hole, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. And to see that he had 20 in that half, the back end of that game, have to put him in there. I uh, went Note as well. That needs no debate, no discussion. You guys all went, we all went with him. I went Bancaro and Williams to boot and then off of Duke. And then B. Williams. Bryson Williams off of Texas Tech as well. So that's kind of where we sit right now. Uh, his most recent game where they were knocked impressed me the most. He was really good. Bryson Williams is really good. I almost threw him in there instead of Jalen Williams. So I'll put him as my honorable mention, as a honorable mention, along with Drew Timmy. I think both those guys are pretty good. See, for me, the honorable would be Roach. Yeah. End of story. Yep. All right. Uh Anything else about the region before we move on? Um, not really. Okay. Let's go to you know what? Uh, one quick sentiment here. Uh, that was a region that was weirdly predictable, right? I mean, we kind of look at it and we're following the trend lines and then we think, well, okay, uh, we have, right, the one, the four, the three, and the two. Yeah, just like that. Uh, and even though it didn't look like that for the whole time. And then obviously the one being bounced, you think, okay, but but really nothing too kind of out of the ordinary. And yeah. I like that. 
uh, considering the, <coughs> the rest of the field that we have to unpack here. I thought, I thought that was the best region going into the tournament for sure. And I think they showed, I think they showed it. I think all those, I think Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Duke, even, even Michigan state played well. Notre Dame was sneaky good in one of the other regions. I think Notre Dame could have gone actually pretty far. And I think they showed it. All right, let's go down to the East. Uh, the first game in that region from the sweet 16 is the old UNC UCLA ball game where I thought, I mean, we knew North Carolina was rolling, but I thought UCLA would, would I, I thought UCLA would be able to pull it out a little back, back to pack, but North Carolina, Caleb Love, incredible, incredible. Caleb Love. Yeah. 30, that 30 points. He is on a different level right now. He's on an absolute different level. He hits some unbelievably hard shots and from some from deep step back from like 30 feet it's, it's bang and then what are you supposed to do as ucla when hawkeyes goes five for 18 juzang's five for 13 and you get just no bench production really yeah. i just didn't quite have the firepower it's awesome though let's see it cargill's rolling the other game you know uh, i think I've always enjoyed seeing the Blue Bloods go head-to-head. -head. And weirdly enough, even though we may not have been able to predict it at the beginning of this thing, we've gotten a lot of those matchups where, you know, it's it's the, the UCLA and the Carolina, right? It's, you know, the Duke and the Sambas, right? And so I've appreciated that for certain. That was another one that was exquisite. And I can't, I mean, say anything more than you guys already did about Mr. Love. Oof. The other game, uh, Purdue-St. Peter's. St. Peter's continued their incredible run. They beat Purdue 67-64. to 64. It was kind of incredible to watch. I, there were times where I thought Purdue would, would pull away because they had leads a couple times, and every time – I mean, every time they wouldn't hit a shot and St. Peter's would, would come down and just come and get right back into the game. Doug Eddard, 10, off the bench. Banks, 14. There's like great defense. I was really impressed with their job against Purdue's big guys, especially with how small their team was. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. I think the failure of the tournament, might I say, was – uh, a two-rebound performance from Zach E, right? Let's face it, you're seven inches taller than anybody on their listed roster on the other side, and you grab two boards in a Sweet 16. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was one of the more mind-numbing, puzzling things I've seen in quite some time. And then just, you know, one thing that's been a talking point with analysts, with broadcasters, with reporters with coaches with even other members of the tournament is the St. Peter's mentality and the St. Peter's ability to stay not only locked in but stay disciplined you're down four you're down six but chip away right find something find an opening find an opportunity and continue to scratch and claw I mean what we saw over the last few weeks was captivating uncanny and 
I mean, hats off, really. Yeah, yeah. You heard the coach say. I mean, it's all these East Coast, Jersey, New York kids, tough kids. This isn't. They're not. These aren't Cali, flashy kids. So they really know how to put put their head down, and work, and it clearly showed. Um, adding on to Zach Eady, he also had five turnovers, and then Jaden Ivy had six turnovers. Um, they just fell apart in the moment. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, what you said about St. Peter's guys is right. I mean, they had zero ranked recruits on their roster. Every single guy was unranked. And I mean, I think a good word to describe them was just kind of relentless. I think their dudes just fly around for 40 minutes, every guy. And he'll sub, sees a guy getting tired and he subs in. He plays sub. I think that was the game he subbed in five for five guys. Platooning in the worst. Yeah. I mean, that in the Sweet 16, that's crazy. Um, they had a good bench. They got guys that can really defend, and they were able to pull it out just because, I mean, honestly, just because they played harder and they were tougher than Purdue was. How about Odefu, huh? Nadefo? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, as we get to that, in the UNC-St. Peter's game, UNC rolled St. Peter's. But, I mean, one thing else, St. Peter's kind of looked like a 15 seed just mostly because – I think they just kind of got tired and they couldn't hit any shots and they just kind of did them in. But Nadefo was really impressive in that game. He had like six blocks. He would kind of like let guys get to the basket and then jump up and try and stuff them. It was like LeBron James. It was kind of crazy. But I mean, that was the end of the run for St. Peter's, but I think they ran into a really hot North Carolina team and they obviously have nothing to hang their heads about. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go East All Region team. Right off the bat, I think Caleb this, Love, unanimous. I mean, Caleb loves easy. I think after that's a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can go first. I got Love, Ivy, Nadefo, Manic, and Baycott. I think Ivy was really good. Um, the defo, I mean, it's St. Peter's is so well-rounded. It's kind of hard to pick a player, but I decided to go with him. I thought he was the most impressive, even though it wasn't, he didn't do a whole lot in the Purdue game because of foul trouble. But, and then Manic has been insane and Baycott's an absolute double-double machine. Honorable mention Doug Eddard also. Yeah. Uh, I had the big three for UNC, Brady Manic, Caleb and Baycott. And then I had Banks and Defu from St. Peter's. Nice. I couldn't. I just I couldn't roll with Ivy, just because of the last that last game, only nine points, six turnovers, two assists. It was like four twelve. Yeah, yeah, it's fair just, That's just it's got to be a game he dominates. So yeah, it's fair. Mm. I think. Uh... I think Love and Baycott are pretty much sewn in here. So I'm going to go with them initially. Uh, it gets interesting, though. So I went um, Nadefo as well. And first off, my apologies on uh, giving that name some lack of consideration earlier. Uh, I don't know what, what I was channeling when I said Odefu. You guys know like what I'm thinking about here. But anyway. Oh, we fixed it. Nadefo, we'll go with that. And uh, then I did put Ivy there, um, which was actually pretty hard to do from my perspective, given that 
you know, a Big Ten guy and a guy who seemed at times almost inhumane and looked humane during the term. But I think he did just enough to crack it. And then lastly, and I'm going to catch some flack for this. I can feel it already. But I'm going to say uh, I had Juzan as my last pick as well. You didn't have Brady Manic. Yeah, you Brady know Manic what? Averaged, so, so, the so I had Manic as a, the honorable for that reason. Uh, with all due respect. Uh, Direct doesn't but, like guys that get flagrant twos and get thrown out. Yeah, you know what, I, I can't, I can't, I can't handle it. No, <laughs> no. Fair enough. I don't know. Juzang was okay. I thought Hawkes was better until the last game, but he was pretty bad the last game shooting wise. So, and that's exactly. I wanted to throw somebody off of the Bruins into this spot. I would have said exactly that, but you just use the rationale that I determined it by. So, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, last thoughts about the region. One thing I would say is North Carolina with a little bit of like a kind of crazy run. I mean, if you look at the seating as an eight, but also I thought they're vastly underseated. I thought they should have been better. And I honestly really wasn't all that too surprised. I wasn't surprised at all that they beat Baylor. I thought that would happen. And then the UCLA game was kind of always a toss up. And then, I mean, once I saw Kentucky go down, I thought it was wide open. So, I mean, no, I never yeah, thought they would be there. So there you go. I thought, I thought once UNC could get over the Baylor hump, they can get past that. They're in great shape. Yeah. And obviously St. Peter's went over Kentucky helped. But, uh, yeah. yeah, once I got over that Baylor game, I was like, this team can be a Final Four team. Yeah. Phase keep. And sure enough. You know, um, my one thought from this entire region is never, ever look at Carolina and see that as a quick out, right? Yep. I mean, that's a squad that time and time again, we've seen it, right? I mean, this university and this kind of culture that has been cultivated under Williams, under Smith, under now Davis, uh, is like, you know, it's, it's immalleable. It's going to win. And when you see a, a eight seed Carolina, you better be scared. You just yeah. better be scared. It's not going to be easy. And that's the bottom line. That's a good way to put it. All right, let's move up to the South. Uh, the first game from the top, Sweet 16, Arizona versus Houston. I thought this going into this, I thought it was going to be a really good game. And Houston just straight up outplayed them start to finish. Arizona didn't look great. Um, yeah. I don't know what else. Was, yeah. Uh, I ran into a much tougher team. Um, like you said, just, he just got outplayed. Yeah. Two Bellas, 0 for 8. Houston's yeah. Yeah. He played. He, I feel like he got benched. Tubelis? Yeah. Yeah, he only played 22 minutes. Kirk Carisha was awful. 19 minutes, three points, one for seven. Mathern was only four for 14. I mean, we can talk about them not playing great, but also we just got, we got to talk about how good Houston was. Shed, 21. Edwards, 19. They played great defense from the start. Some crazy hustle plays. Just Fabian White's like 
diving out of bounds, or was that the Illinois game? Yeah, it's safe. Um, the say, I'm they just they they sure as hell weren't a five seed. They got like the yeah, and Samson can really coach. And I mean, it was just an all around great performance in that game by the Cougars. You know, I think uh, my one takeaway is is we knew about this Wildcat team that they could score, right? But what we didn't know is could they defend, right? And the way I read into that is, is they ran into a level competitor who had a balanced attack. We heard they went for 21, they went for 19. When that happens – it's either the Wildcats strike more punches and land or they don't and suffer. And that was, I mean, the storyline clearly. I mean, you can't go four of 14 if you're mathing. You can't go one of seven, right, if you're some of these other guys. And um, it just – I think that is honestly one of the more – the more shocking results – uh, not because Houston didn't deserve to be there, but because I expected more from Arizona uh, than we got. Honestly, off the top of my head, I feel like I was a season low for Arizona, 60 points, which is crazy to say. I mean, they did average like 88, 87 points, but I can't remember the last time they scored around 60, so – Houston's one of the best defensive teams in the country for sure. And it showed. Yeah, it definitely. The other Sweet 16 game, Michigan versus Villanova. I think most people, I mean, some people pick Michigan, but after that first Tennessee game, they looked incredible. And then they go out and get smoked. And then it's Michigan, and B Rec doesn't like it. Michigan didn't look, I mean, they looked okay. Um, but Villanova just showed their experience and their skill, and they took the win. Has got nothing to, nothing to say about that. 63-55, Villanova. I'm just back. Listen, here's the issue that I foresee here, okay, is I just – just so we're clear, I took a couple seconds to throw up, and now I'm back. Uh, <laughs> what ended up happening was a travesty of epic proportion in that the Volunteers began the tournament shooting 67% from the field, okay? And along comes the jolly blue giant, Hunter Dickinson. That's the end of the road for Tennessee. Okay. So now we're here. And I think the only thing I have to say is, is, is it's Brooks versus Samuels and Gillespie in terms of guard play for that one. And the bottom line, and the reason I don't include Houston or some of these other guys are lacking experience. Uh, so if you, if you look at it, it's late portion of his career is Brooks. Yep. Like mediocre or medium rather part of his career is Dickinson. Uh, yeah. And then it's youth, right? Then it's, I mean, from then on we, it's untested, untrue. And what you guys said earlier at the top was experience wins right now. Yeah. And, you know, um, 
I could say a lot of things about how Howard is like Will Smith, okay, on this particular night. We don't have to go into that. But uh, let's just say this. They met their match for this year, and now the Wildcats are surging. It's true. Some great points. Uh, the other game, the Elite Eight game, Houston versus Villanova. I thought it would be a really good game for sure, but uh, – Villanova really, Villanova really defended. The loss came down to Houston's three-point shooting. Yeah. Yeah. They were just missing look after look after look, and it was it was tough. I mean, one for 20 from three, they put up 44 total points. Villanova only had 50. Their def- Houston's defense showed out, but Villanova's did too. Um, yeah, they I mean, they just they just really couldn't score. The injury to Justin Moore at the end was was awful. Uh, Villanova is going to have a tough time without him in the final four against Kansas. Yeah. They're just going to have to, I mean, Caleb Daniels played 35 minutes off the bench. And I mean, the, uh, the only other guy on the bench that played any minutes is Archie Diakono with two minutes. Now you mm-hmm. take away more. I mean, he might play the, all five of those guys, 40 minutes. Maybe he plays Archie yeah, Diakono like 15. Play. He might play them until one of them fouls out. Yeah, for real. Like, if they have 3,000 in the first half, he might keep him in. If they yeah. pick up their fourth, if, if they pick up their fourth with 16 minutes left, you're staying in. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, that matchup with Kansas will be very interesting without more um, clear disadvantage there. But Jay Wright's done this before. So, that's exactly what I was going to say. Jay Wright has proven again and again he can get it done. So, um okay uh let's go into the south all region team b-rack how about you start us off this time wow okay okay i see let's go here i'm gonna read from the sheet right here just to prove that i'm not wing dinging this one around all right here we go so for my one, I have Gillespie. Sure. I don't think there's any argument there. I think that, you know, uh, being I, a... I have too. Huh? I had him on my list, too. Hey, there we go. Some continuity around here. Yep. I like that. No. Then I have Dickinson. That one pained me. Uh, you know, I didn't... Whoa, 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 whoa. You just picked... We jumped from the Michigan player. Huh? <laughs> you just picked a Michigan player? Yeah. Can you believe that? You know, uh, Ichigan, uh, that school down the road, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want to say, uh, he was magnificent. Okay. And we might want to bleep this segment out because I'm going to be complimentary of Hunter Dickinson, uh, was just fantastic. That's it. And strength will over anything else. There it is. I'm going to say Jamal Shedd as well from Houston. Uh, that's another one that fits the bill for me. Uh, Samuels as well is in there. And then, uh, I don't know, this one might catch some more flack. So I'm going to lay it out there, but let's go tase more. <laughs> okay. Okay. He was pretty good. Mm. Very good. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I mean. Great defensive player. Yeah, he did his thing defense for sure. 
I've got no differences there besides I have Matherin instead of Taze Moore. Matherin was insane in the TCU game. He was okay in the Houston game, but he showed he was an absolute gamer, had some crazy shots. And then, like you said, all the other four were pretty deserving. Gillespie and Samuels were their best two players so far. Shed was really good, and Dickinson did his thing. Yeah, I went with uh, more Justin Moore and Gillespie. And I pick Kyler Edwards, but kind of iffy because that last game, he did go 0 of 8 from 3. Yeah, but uh, other, other than that game, he played pretty well throughout the entire tournament. Yeah, uh, same with Matt. Catherine played well. And then uh, Samuels from Villanova. I think he's been very underrated his whole career. Mm-hmm. And he has played very well. And, um, has had some big shots in some of these games. Um, I forgot who he took to the rim in that one game. It was, it was a huge layup off the glass. Yeah, lead and I remember that shot. That was crazy. You would think that's Gillespie or more, but he played really well and stepped up to the plate for sure. Very true. Samuels has been really good. Um, yeah, anything else from the region? I thought this one was a little bit more surprising. I mean, obviously, the East was incredibly surprising considering St. Peter's. And then the West wasn't really. I thought the South was kind of in the middle. I thought Illinois would be a little bit better. I thought Arizona, I thought Houston smacking Arizona was a little bit surprising. Michigan beating Tennessee was a little surprising. But, I mean, I picked Illinois to make the Final Four, so. You know, uh, at the outset of this tournament and looking at the bracket, my gut and intuition – which was wrong in the worst way, was that Biggs, okay, would be the end-all, be-all for the tournament. In that, I looked initially at Shibwe and Coburn. Now, we know where both of those squads ended up, okay? And uh, that's the biggest question for the tournament is where in the world did posterior play go? I, I can't know, man. You're talking like a Big Ten fan, classic post play. I don't know. I yeah, just kind of dis- disregard Baycott and Mark Williams and McCormick for Kansas, but roll with the Big Ten guys. I see. Right. Yeah. Baycott only had 22 rebounds and 20 points last game. And uh, yeah. who was that against? Great team, St. Peter's. Talking about it. it's the Peacocks, man. It's a great team. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gatto has a good point. Also, like the you do. I will admit that, JG. You do have a good point. I would like to say that from my heart right now. I'll try and back you up, B Rec. I think what B Rec's talking about is post players that you kind of pounded into over and over. Mark Williams is not a guy that you do that. I feel like Baycott's not really a guy that you do that, he just kind of gets his buckets. And then yeah, going for 30. Yeah, for real. And uh McCormick, they do get it into him a little bit, but the guys that, that like the big guys that are constantly getting fed, like somebody like a Timmy, who I mean he was pretty good, but then Coburn, Sheboy, yeah. who else? Purdue, the Purdue Bigs. They just yeah. seem 
he's got a point for sure because all those guys are the uh all american guys too yeah mm. you know uh i didn't say or i won't say that that and i don't want to throw it back too far here but just quickly uh Travion Williams, uh, he wasn't, like, bad by any stretch, but no. he kind of felt like a non-factor at times. And that was weird to, to watch. But just furthering the point, I mean, yeah. I thought it was uncharacteristic. And that's where we stand. But you are right, though, Gatto, in the way of there are bigs that are left on the table. Just a different style of play that I wasn't, Entirely anticipate. Talking about another guy. Um, who was it? Nate Watson. Providence didn't do anything in turn it, turn it either. It's another big guy that added into. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some good points. Uh, it really just comes down more to guard play in the tournament. It's what we've seen. It's what happens. I mean, look at look at Duke, UNC, Kansas, and. And Nova, all those teams just got elite guards. Duke's yeah. a little different because of how good they're big, how good they are, like Griffin Bancaro and Mark Williams. But I mean, yeah. Jeremy Roach has been playing the best ball of his career, to be Roche, honest. Roach has been playing incredibly well. Incredibly yeah. well. Jeremy Roach has been really good. Okay. Uh, let's move down to the last region, the Midwest. First game, Kansas Providence. Uh, Kansas has looked. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think Kansas is still around if not for the play of Remy Martin. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's brought fine. them over the top for sure. He's, he's finally showing. He's back to what he was um, at Arizona State. He had 20, yep. over 20 last game. Um, just getting back to getting buckets, finally back on the court. Didn't play a lot this year, but – Clearly, they they are a different team with him on the court. Yeah, he had twenty three in the game against Providence. Uh, he had a bunch of points in the first half, if I remember right. And like in a game, Rock Baji has five. Jalen Wilson, Jalen Wilson was the only other big score with sixteen. They needed him. They needed yeah. him in a big way, and he stepped up. Providence is a good team, but when Remy Martin's going and they got McCormick going. And Akbaji and Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson's been really good in this tournament too. When and Brown's Brown's just solid. When they got all five of those guys going and playing well, I think Kansas is the best team in the country. Which is why I picked them to win the whole thing. Gatto and I both. And so far we're yes, looking we solid. Um the other game. Uh, matchup no one saw coming was Iowa State Miami and the fact that Iowa State made the Sweet 16 was almost more surprising to me than St. Peter's making the Sweet 16 I thought they were not very good and but Wisco showed they weren't good and LSU has some problems but uh, Miami yeah. told them Miami says Miami I fell in love with Miami this tournament I don't know about you guys but they were Cameron mcgussie has been a hell of a player um, yeah he was on my Midwest team. Oh, but he's for sure on mine. Easily. And, uh, you know, too, um, I think what's ultra interesting here is uh, not only uh, McGusty, but 
what do you guys think about Isaiah Brockington is what I want to know. Good player. He had it going earlier in the year. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know, he had his time during those all those non-conference games. Um, kind of died down a little during conference play, as did the whole team. But uh, yeah, he's a great he's a great individual player. Uh, lefty. So, he's a he, uh, that. that Iowa State team has a tough time scoring, and he is like the most consistent guy that can go get a basket. Tyrese Hunter was pretty good in the tournament too, but uh, he he was a lot better than I expected. I mean, B-Rack, obviously, both of us remember watching him at Penn State. And he's just kind of like a role player. He wasn't anything special. He's always kind of seen as like a pretty good defender, but never the scorer and the big-time player that he became at Iowa State. And, uh, you know, I think uh, for the Hurricanes, it was finally time for – Larinaga to make a move in terms of cementing his legacy there. And uh, a year like this may have just done that. 100%. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. Miami was – I'm glad they got into the tournament. I was a little worried at first. They got in as a 10, though, and they showed that they were they – they could play, especially their guards, Charlie Moore, Wong, and McGusty. I mean, that's that's dynamic extremely dynamic uh the elite eight game was in no way close kansas absolutely steamrolled miami miami was up at halftime by five or six six 35 29 yeah 35 29 and kansas came out and was a totally different team and once again they looked like the they looked really 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 good defensively they scored 47 15 that's that's a crazy half that's unbelievable in the tourney game. And then when self, this, so I, Gatto, thank you for bringing this up because I've been feasting on this soundbite. You guys know that I thirst for soundbites like this. The question that self was posed with in the post game was, are you aware that your squad just outscored a team in an elite A game, okay, by 32 and a half? And he said, what? Are you kidding me? Right? It's like, it's unfathomable. But, hey, as we said, though, when those guys are clicking, watch out. And yeah. that's what we have to look for the remainder of the way. Okay. Uh, let's go into the team, the all-region team for the Midwest. Let's – mine's a little bit different this time. Let's have Gatos. Let's hear Gatos. I'm interested. Hermie Martin, yeah, for sure. And Cam Augusti. Mm-hmm. And then I had Dave, I had David McCormick. McCormick. He's been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting stat. Kansas is 44-9 over the past four years where he scores in double figures. So he is a big X factor for them once he gets going down low. And then uh, I mean, these were kind of like just based on um, – how they play was uh, all Durham and more for Miami. Um, yep. Maybe the stats weren't all there, but more was ex- um, very, played very well, um, pushing the ball, uh, running that team. And then, yeah. 
Durham was a solid all around for Providence. Yeah, I uh, I have Remy Martin as well. Uh, Durham, I had Charlie Moore. I'm kind of conflicted. I switched to Durham. I thought he was really important. Charlie Moore wasn't great that last game. Magusti, obviously, he was incredible. I have Akbaji, but he yeah. was like he wasn't crazy, but he was good. And he does he doesn't force anything. He needs to be more aggressive actually if they want to win the whole thing. But uh, I could throw in Charlie Moore instead of Akbaji. And then I had Jalen Wilson for Kansas. I thought he's been really good. He's had a couple double doubles. Really good yeah. rebounder, sneakily, and he's kind of turning it on. Uh, um, I mean, and he's ultra, he's ultra talented. When he gets going, he's uh, he can be an all like first team, all league kind of player. You know, uh, I think my biggest issue here was making the determination between Ogbaji and Martin, probably, um, is kind of where I sat with it. But I would say that you guys have convinced me that it's Martin. So I've gone with Remy. Then I've gone with Cameron Mcgusty as well. Uh, I, I was super high on Watson coming into the tournament, and then he flopped. And there's no two ways about it. I mean, it was, like, really bad. So I went Durham as well. I think after moving from Indiana, now being in Providence, Ed Cooley, it's cool, man. It works. It's a comfortable new home. And uh, then to round out, I went McCormick. I think that's pretty well solidified. Uh, Ghetto, I didn't know that stat that you just gave us. And I love that stat, so I'm going to use that because that was cool. 44 and 9. Double figures. His career. And then uh, my kind of quip that I threw in to you earlier was paving the way for this right here. I'm going to go Isaiah Brockington as the five guy there. Uh, I think, you know, he had 19 once, okay? He was hanging around like a 15 average or so maybe like 14, 13, someone uh, to propel them the length that he did uh, after, like we've said, being so kind of fluctuant and kind of, you know, on the roller coaster ride for conference to non-con now here, it was an impressive jump. So I'm glad about that. Fair enough. Okay, um, I think we should highly, talk. What do you want to talk about, Gala? I was going to say, just highly anticipated Final Four. Yeah, I think let's, I mean, let's break down the games, who we think is going to win, who we think is going to take it home. In the Duke-UNC game, uh, I've watched Duke. Weird. Weird. Uh, sorry, Gala. I think I'm going to root for UNC in that game. I, I think Duke's gonna win. I just mm. think their their guys had a lot of tough shots, and Mark Williams is an absolute difference maker inside. We'll see how well Baycott competes against those guys. Also, Manic's gonna have to shoot the lights out again, and Caleb Love's gonna have to hit, hit a bunch of tough shots again. And if they do that, they can win. Also, another guy is Kerwin Roach, and 
and Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore is pretty solid. If Kerwin Roach has 15, again, Duke's going to win, I think. Hmm. You know, yeah. uh, you got it. You got it. Go you want to go, Yana? You got it. Okay. Okay. The concession. No. Uh, listen, I think, ooh, you guys see that balance right there? That camera moved. Anyway, uh, listen, I, <laughs> I think that the question for me is can Williams do three things? Can he defend? Can he rebound? Can he run? What we've understood about Baycott is that he has the chance to put together a 15 or a 20 rebound game, right? Uh, that goes without saying. But I think uh, what I want to know is, is whether Williams can beat him and them down the floor, running rim to rim and being at kind of the high point before the Tar Heels get back in transition. Uh, that's kind of one thing I'm watching. And uh, as for who's going to win, I think, I think it's a collision course uh, for Kay to get to the final again. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, what we said earlier was would uh, Van Carroll be as efficient as he has been? If he is, that's kind of the lights are out in my eyes. And so I think those two things are worth watching. And I think the Blue Devils advance in a close one, though. I mean, this could this could go, I mean, three rounds. This could go big time. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I could think of three X factors for that game. It's the difference in Mark Williams and Baycott's foul trouble. How if they get into foul trouble? If Caleb Love limits his turnovers, and then if Manic can continue to shoot from outside like how he does, yeah, I think those are the three key to that game. Yeah, I think another thing is Duke's kind of needed, like we talked about earlier. Duke's uh, thrown in the zone at the end, and they've kind of needed it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that works at all this time. I think UNC would, with Manic and Love, Davis, Leaky Black can't really shoot, but those three guys enough. Um, yeah. I think they'd destroy the zone, in which case then Duke's going to have to sit down and defend for, for 40 minutes, so we'll see if they can. The other game is Villanova versus Kansas. Prior to the Justin Moore injury, I'd definitely say that it would be close but i'm gonna take i think it's gonna be kansas and it could be about by about 10 or 12 depending on how well kansas uh mm -hmm. decides to show up but i mean that that'd probably be my guess kansas by 10 or 12 yeah early indications i'm rolling with kansas um that that just sent more injuries just so tough for them he's been playing oh. so well it's awful, especially since he's been playing with those. They've been playing together that core for so long. Yeah, yeah. And then Gillespie and now he, last year too. Yeah, you know, like like you said earlier, we just insert Daniels into the lineup, mm -hmm. but then those those are the five guys. Yeah. And if foul trouble, they might they you might see them in the zone, 
for a little bit so they don't have to match up and guard one-on-one. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out in the zone to limit their fouls, but uh, we'll see. Oh, and then like you also mentioned, um, Abashi's got to be aggressive. Yeah. Um, so it's time to really shine Final Four. Um, and then it'll be interesting too if once Remy gets in, if he can go off right out the, right the gates, get a couple buckets here and there, timeout Villanova, like get that going. Yeah. Um, it could be good. I won't say it could be a long night for Villanova just because of the history and they never really fold. So, I don't know. It's a really interesting matchup. They're gritty and incredibly yeah. well-coached, and they've been defending at a high level the last couple of games. But I just yeah. think Kansas is going to be too much. What do you think, Virag? Uh, you know what? I think this matchup intrigues me more than – a lot of final fours over the past maybe five or six years. And the reason lies with the coaching staffs. Um, I think that, you know, when you couple right and self, that's something that's really hard to come by. Um, and I think moving past that, the one I look at is David McCormick. Uh, if he can get to double figures, yeah. And what are we to say, right? I mean, that's kind of the race is on. Uh, I think he'll be able to assert his will down low. Um, that's just what the gut says and, frankly, uh, what he's capable of. And um, if that's true, then, then look no further. But I do like what you guys have been saying about looking at uh, Martin and his ability to provide a jump off the bench. I think that now that the bench is particularly short with the Wildcats, that becomes an issue with potential foul trouble. Uh, it's one of those things you can never really know what you're going to get in terms of the officiating crew in a Final Four game. We've seen uh, – we were referencing the Holmgren issues early on, right, of – kind of having an inability to stay in the game. If something of that nature happens, then it could be kind of a checkmate almost. And I think, you know, a condition that maybe isn't looked at all the time is the officiating crew, kind of what happens early, how the pace is dictated. Uh, but like you said, Gatto, I, I really like the way you phrased it. The indication leads Kansas way. Yeah, and then another thing for Villanova, looking at it here, um, Brian Slater has five total points this tournament. Um, scoreless in the, OS, in the Ohio State and Michigan game, and then two against Houston, five in the opening round against Delaware. Um, he averages eight on the season, but he will – Definitely need to step up and um, get some buckets for the Wildcats if they want to have a chance. Yeah, in that uh, in that Houston game, I saw him passing up a lot of open looks, and he's like, yeah. he's super athletic, and his jumper's not bad. He's obviously just not confident at all right now, but they are going to need him 
for sure with Justin yeah. Stroud to score some points. Gillespie is also going to need to put up probably 25 at least. But that's a good point. Really good point. Uh, in the championship kind of preview, I mean, we don't know the matchup. I mean, I think it's going to be Duke-Kansas, and I think that's a really even game. Honestly, I, I do not know who will win that game, but oh, God, it's, that's such a tough game to predict. I think it's really even. I don't know. I don't even know who I'd lean towards. I probably uh, I don't want Co- Coach K in the last year. All the storybook storybook ending. He has to win it. Has to. Yeah, I don't know. What do, what would you guys? It might not even be that matchup. Gatto probably thinks it's going to be UNC. In which UNC Villanova rematch. <laughs> be here first. Totally be that. Maybe Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins gets subbed in. Hits another game winner. Oh. <laughs> wow you just put him in a trap <laughs> that was awesome I, see it right. I'm, I can see it right now <laughs> it's tough B-Rock what do you think about the world championship who's going to get it done who's cutting down the nets KU Archie Diacono flips to Jenkins oh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be Duke Kansas as well. I like that. And uh, K himself for the final ride. I mean, could it be anything more right than that? Uh, sign me up is all I have to say. Um, it's such a tough. I, it is so hard. It is so hard. I listen. I like the Blue Devils. Um, I like the versatility of Williams. I like Roach's ability to do some things. I like uh, Griffin's ability to shoot the three, uh, which might be something to look at here. And uh, toss it up and see how it unfolds. Yeah. All right. Um, that's kind of it. Is there anything else you guys want to add before we before we wrap her up? Uh, just a couple like takeaways from the tourney. But uh, yeah, it's just so wild how at the beginning of the year, at the middle, and then even at the end towards the conference tourneys, we thought this was, it was like so wide open. Yeah. And then you look at the final four, and it's like or like just historic teams. Yeah. But. Uh, and another thing is if the seeds were like in our opinion like different and yeah. more accurate, um, we could probably be seeing a completely different final four. So yeah, for sure. I feel like it's the first time that we like criticize the seeds, you know, for like mm. at least I don't like doing that. I also just don't like criticizing the seeds. It's a hard job to do. But I think I thought they just really messed up the Mountain West and they really messed up the ACC. But I mean, I can't say they got the ACC too wrong because they did end up putting Notre Dame and Miami in, which I was glad about. But the Mountain West was just severely overrated. Like the Colorado State to six, San Diego State's an eight. 
who else? Boise State was an eight. And then we got teams like North Carolina, Miami, eight and ten. Those teams are, I mean, significantly better than those Mountain West teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, another takeaway is the Big Ten flop again. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, what are we talking about? It's a carousel of having the most successful kind of elite, eccentric, I mean, magical, whatever you want to say, non-con into con. The conference becomes a battlefield. Somebody gets crowned a champion. And then eight teams are gone by the second week. And it's like, okay, well, what are we doing again? Looking at it now, that's more of a pattern. Um, and I think that's something that we got to watch and we got to kind of pump the brakes on years down the line. Um, this is setting a precedent now for what it looks like, because there are a couple coaches in there who I'm not going to say who, but I'm going to say they're on their way out at times. Uh, there are a couple kind of volatile things that we'll see in terms of personnel change and, how that kind of shakes things up. I don't know. Uh, but my next thing is, is the PAC 12 is still the doormat like of, you know, the power five power six uh, really still is. And uh, will be for a while. I think the way it looks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now listen, 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 what? Nothing. Listen here. Uh, the deal is is um, I just slandered my conference. Now I can slander yours. It's okay. They all <laughs> fall down. Like come That's on, fair. Fair. come on now. Uh, but I saw how you guys were looking. Come on now. Uh, but then I think, uh, like I was talking about blue bloods. I mean, we we have all said that a couple times. And was it the Michigan State? Was it the Kentucky? Was it the UCLA? No. But let's look at what we have here, right? It's Duke, okay? It's Kansas. It's Carolina. Those yeah. three are, like, hard to even beat. And then the Villanova. First huh? First ever Duke-UNC matchup in the tourney. Seems like, crazy to me. How about that? I mean, I mean that's great. a storyline we haven't touched. Yeah. yeah. First ever. Is that wild? Yeah. Ridiculous. Bira, can I go off your Big Ten point for a second? Yes. Um, thinking about that, I was thinking about that today. I mean, who in the Big Ten has been successful in March Madness besides Michigan State's shown that they can get to the Final Four a lot. Michigan's shown that they can do it multiple times. And Wisconsin one time with Kaminsky and Decker. Yep. I mean, who else? Purdue's had a lot of good teams. Illinois had good teams. Wisconsin. Wisconsin outside of that one year has had good teams. They just it's like over and over again we see all these good teams, good teams like and come out of the Big Ten, go into the tournament, and mm-hmm. they just can't get it done. And it's really only like Michigan State and Michigan that can seem to get all the way to the final four. Sure. And and what does that mean, right? How do you decipher that? I mean, is that is that a lacking non-conference that doesn't have sort of the the bolstering of resume that is necessary to be a proven winner? Is that what that is? I mean, is that, you know, so much of a battle within the conference and the jostling of top teams week in and week, night in and night out 
that you get here and you're gassed. I mean, is that is that coaches who don't necessarily have the recipe to win the highest echelon of games, but can win 25, 24, 23 a year in the regular? Uh, like, you know, there are so many things we could point at. And it's puzzling yeah. to me. It really is. Uh, but I like where your thought is. Is a is a separation is like very far. Yeah. Compared to top coaches and other um ah, I mean not other conferences, but Izzo's clearly the top dog the big and top. forever will be in that conference. And yeah. it just shows based off the fact that he just took over the top spot for the winningest in the conference. Mm-hmm. Like all that's time. all we need to know. Yeah. I thought, I mean, Juwan Howard's done an okay job, especially last year. They were really good, but be, losing Beeline, Beeline was really was a very good tourney coach. They always made runs in the Big Ten tournament and March Madness. It felt like, and then Painter's shown that he's not just not a great coach, and it's just like this the the style. A lot of it's like the super physical, pounded inside, tough, rugged Big Ten style. Mm. It just doesn't seem to translate to the tournament. You know, I want to hear you guys' take on this right here. I've been thinking about this myself in that where have the Maryland Terrapins gone in the absence of Mark Turgeon? Mm. And that's something that I've been tracking and seeing that now Manning is in that role. And uh, it now it's has become – Well, they hired Kevin Willard from Seton Hall recently but you're right that they had him for the whole season maryland's a big time like basketball school they got a lot of funds sure turgeon was solid but he was never like outstanding no they were never really good willard's been solid but not outstanding at seton hall so we'll see if i don't expect anything to change honestly i think they could have some good teams but i don't Mm. expect them to be at the top of the big 10 because i you know i remember uh at least a year or two where those Terrapin teams with Trimble and Jake Lehman and Diamond Stone and, I mean, whew. Ooh. Melitrimble was a hooper. 100%. Lehman played, I mean, with the Blazers for a while. He could do it. Uh, Wells. And... Wasn't that other guard next to Trimble, Wells? That sounds right. That does. some other guard. That does, so, yeah. He's pretty good as well. Yeah. But we shall see. A lot of things, as always, the, the offseason is going to be crazy, as it always is in college, especially with the new transfer. Transfers, yeah. yeah just like the new transfer. Right, Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech in yeah. the portal the day after they lost to Duke. <laughs> that was crazy. Especially with how much he played, too. I guess that system just doesn't – I guess uh, – I don't know. I don't understand that one, how fast it was. It seems like he couldn't wait to get in the portal. Yeah. He just made it to the Sweet 16, man. They're a good player. He did have a kind of up-and-down year where he had some injuries, but the landscape of college basketball is going to change a lot in the next couple months based on the transfers and recruiting, and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. The door is open. I mean – you know, in the worst way. And, and, and some of these schools who have, as we've discussed, kind of been off the reservation in terms of national accruity, 
can climb yeah. right back through the window via the transfer port. And mm -hmm. can they? Yes. Will they? That remains to be seen. Yeah. And we have a really interesting time period right here that, that I'm going to, I mean, enjoy the heck out of. And uh, I just want to say, appreciate you guys for having me on. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's wrap her up, Gattel, unless you have something else to say. We're good. All right. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to Consider CB Geniuses podcast. I'm Finley Dunn. I'm Jack Adam. And a special thanks to B-Rec as well. Appreciate it.